you know, be encouraged. God will do something for you. So, go. That's right. Be careful what you email Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Sent him an email last week and dropped a line in there. The email was about something else. Dropped a line in there about what God did last week at church. And sure enough, there's a text. Hey, you should get up there and give a testimony about it. How can you say no? Um, Yeah, so we just wanted to give a short testimony, not not long, just a few minutes of what the Lord did last week. How many people were here last Sunday? That was a really powerful Sunday. Um, There was a lot going on in worship, a lot going on in the Word, and the Lord was really ministering to us as a couple and a family, um, just in the season that we're in now and the season that um, we were in previously. So we just want to take a few minutes and kind of give testimony about that. Um, And I want to give it over to Heather because it's really burning inside of her heart. Even though I really do not want to be up here. Um, But I will go for it. Um, Yeah, I think last Sunday there was just like an incredible sweetness to whatever miraculously happened. Because honestly, I didn't even want to come. Like I was thinking I was going to stay home with Brody, our two-month-old, so that I could just like take a break because... We're just in, have been in a hard season. Like raising three kids is just really hard. And it had been years since we had, I don't know, felt alive in a while or even awake for a while, Um, literally. Um, But even just spiritually, just been really sleepy in like a really sleepy season. And um, I, I mean, it's been a blur, but probably trace it back to like five years because Kaya is five years old. Um, and before having kids, we just were in a wildly passionate season of life with Jesus where we were meeting with, you know, friends in this room, just going after Jesus and encountering him and watching him just pour himself out all over the people around us. And it was just wild and it was fun and it was amazing. And it was just so passionate. Um, and I think subconsciously over the years, I'd been buying into the lie that like, that's as good as it was going to get. And, you know, we've entered into that. That was when we were young and now we just feel really old and tired. And, um, that, that was as good as it was going to get because it was really, really good, you know? And, just saw God do incredible things in our lives. Um, but the song that Sarah and uh, Andy sang, I don't I guess you guys just wrote it um, because I, I, I want to find the lyrics. I want to dive into it. But when you guys shared that song, I literally felt like the Lord woke me up for the first time in a very, very long time. And he just, I just felt heat just rush over me. And I just felt like there was like this whole wave of snapshots of all that God has done. And I, for the first time, believed in a long time that 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 wasn't as good as it was going to get. That there really, actually, truly is so much, there's more. And he wants to release that over us as a church. He wants to release that in our family. He wants to release that over everyone who's just been really tired and sleepy and who have seen amazing things and have gotten out of that season. I feel like the Lord wants to take us back into that season that is greater, that is more, that is good. (laughs) So good. 
I'll, I'll, I'll just close with this and, 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 and affirm that. You know, I believe that when you believe a lie, you actually empower the lie. And we were believing the lie that the best was behind us. And he kept, Andy kept saying that last week about the best is not in your past. The best is right now. And the Lord has more for you to come. And yeah, that awakening happened. And it was like, there was another thing that happened where you were starting to shake off. I think it was you came up and said, shake it off. And when we shook it off, I felt like that was broken. And um, hunger was released. And come on, that's good. Don't leave. What, what, what? Okay, here's, um, here's, here's what we want to do. I really felt fire, the fire of God on these two. And as um, Heather was talking, I felt like we should do this. Everyone who needs what they got, why don't you stand up? And Heather, I want you to just release that and pray. Now, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let the fire burn. Listen, expect God to do something for you right now. Not down the road, not later, but right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he's a very present help in times of trouble. Two verses later, it says there is a river whose streams make glad. God's a very present help in times of trouble because he is here now as a rejuvenating joy-giving, death-defying, overcoming presence. And I mean, he is in this room, and he is as close as your faith. So receive as she pours this out. Just Why don't you just put your hands out like you're receiving a gift, any way you need to do it? Yeah. Jesus, we just thank you that you're here and you're present in this place. Um, I'm thankful for the heroes that are in this room that have done incredible things for your kingdom. God, I believe that they are heroes in this room that have seen people be raised from death to life. They've prophesied and there's been immediate breakthrough. There's things that have been seen that you have done, Jesus, that were a long time ago. And I pray that you would just bring the reality of that back to life in the people in this room, the people that have been tired and weary and discouraged and disappointed when there's been times where it seems like you haven't shown up, God, I pray that you would remind us that you are showing up, that you have been here, here. that you've never left us, that you've you've been preparing us. There's been a momentum that's building up and it's about to be released. I pray, Jesus, that the reality of your love for us would be released over everyone in this room. I pray that the hunger that is building up inside would just grow and that we would really believe that we need more of you, God, that we want more of you, God. And I pray that you would set a fire inside of us, Lord. Mm. I pray that you would just set us on fire for you, Jesus, so that nothing else will satisfy, that Mm. Instagram won't satisfy, and good food and good wine and buying things at the store just won't satisfy like you do, Jesus. Starbucks won't satisfy. (laughs) It's good, but it won't satisfy like you do, Jesus. And, And I just pray that as a as a group, we would just be really hungry for you, that we will decide to worship you even when it is hard and even yes. when we are tired. And yes. we will decide that you are good no matter yes. what and that you're worthy. 
So yes, power just, come now. God, touch, Jesus. touch yes, these Jesus. people, You're Lord. Almighty, Grab Lord. somebody's hand yes, and just begin Jesus. to bless. Thank just you, to Jesus. speak a blessing. You are. Thank you, God. Speak a blessing. You Don't think a blessing. Speak. Just say, I bless you in the name of the Lord. I release to you power. I release to you energy. I release to you overcoming life. I release to you cleansing from sin. I release to you overcoming life now. Now. Let's say yes. Let's yes, God. Let's yes, God. Yes. 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 Let let me ask you a question. How many of you, how many of you felt something? It's good to feel something. Wave at me if you felt something. How many of you actually received some life today? So touch. Let's affirm that. Let's really affirm that. Every process from God comes through faith and proclamation. I'm going to talk about that. Just proclaim, Lord, I receive everything you release this morning. Not knowing the entirety of it, but I receive all of it. Just begin to say that. Listen, if you want a change, you have to change the way you operate. We receive, Lord. We receive the goodness that you are. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We receive an empowering. Now, God, listen, listen. God is releasing fresh vision to people Right now, he is going to show you things to come for your life. He's going to give you ideas and processes that will enable you to do the things he's showing you. He's granting vision. He's granting wisdom. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So, Lord, we ask that you would grant life-changing wisdom now. Impart it, Lord. We take it by faith. Let that thing come up and out. Let that thing emerge into our thought processes, Lord, that we're receiving right now. You've got to understand that spirit and brain are two different things. Spirit will touch you. The Spirit of God will touch you, and it will only be by and by your mind catches up and understands what happened. They're two different things. God is not that great big mind in the sky. The Bible says God is a spirit. And so he will touch us spiritually without us understanding, but we will feel that touch because it's good. How many of you are with me? So you embrace the touch and the manifestation and the revelation of it emerges. But you have to agree. You need to agree. You need to agree with God. How do you do that? You just give it, listen. You just say, Lord, I agree. I don't even know what you're asking me for, but I agree. I agree. When the Lord asked me to to do this church, my wife and I said, well, yeah, sure. Why not leave a good paying job and launch out in the unknown? (laughs) Well, what if God invited you to do something? What would your answer be? What an no is the idiot's answer. God wants to partner with you? Partner with you? A person with unlimited resources and is way smarter than everybody else wants to partner. That's who we have. That's our partner. 
Now I can look at some of your faces. You're really just in your brain. You need to slap yourself. Your mind's telling you just, you know, if you don't understand that yet, you, you got to get spiritual, ladies. Let, let me just be blunt. Your brain is always last in spiritual matter. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, don't let your brain talk you out of what God freely offers. And listen, it happens every day. Yeah, but what about? What about what about? What about God? What about the, what about the God that knows everything? What about the God that's everywhere at all times that knows everything you need and has already made provision for you that you haven't seen yet? What about that God? Well, I'm not used to emotionalism. Get used to it. I thank God my wife had an emotion for me called love. Well, that's emotionalism. I hope it's at least emotionalism. Come on. You know, everywhere else but the church, you can be happy and jump and scream. And I'm, we're going to end that here quickly. <laughs> Touch them, Lord. Be it unto them. Just like Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto the Jacksons according to your word. In Jesus' name. You want to put that over there. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> well, I've run out of time. So in closing, I may just go an hour. What difference does it make? <laughs> A lot, right? <laughs> Um, we have been basically studying through, uh, the old Testament and we're right now at Joshua and there is, we are touching such a small amount of significant, important revelation, information, Pictures of God, pictures of us. You see, because that's what the Old Testament is. The whole Old Testament story is our story concealed in the lives of the nation of Israel. And if, and if you look at the, what the nation of Israel went through historically from beginning with Adam all the way, well, through the entire Old Testament, uh, what, what you can see is through episode events, through problems, through trials, through mistakes, through sin, through all those things, you can see the life of a Christian. And so the Old Testament um, is not just an old dated book. If you have eyes to see, it's the only Bible the Apostle Paul had. I love this. This is great. I'm, I'm just getting ready to get in trouble here. It's going to be so much fun. But you, you need to be hot. You need. That doesn't work. It would be awesome and to your advantage to be really hungry enough for God to read the Bible. And not just read the Bible. Read things. Read, let me give you an idea. How many of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm? How many of you not? Be honest. Good. I like honest people. Well, that's like this classic, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want psalm. Everybody familiar with that? Um, verse 5 says, 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. How many of you have heard that verse? It's just an old famous, famous verse. Well, if Paul was reading this in his Bible, which would have been the Septuagint, it would have read this way. You anoint my head with oil. Your cup is making me drunk like the best wine. But our um, New King James translates it, my cup runs over. My cup runs over, what's in that cup? What's the point? Well, oil speaks of joy and wine speaks of intoxication. And what the church has lost is the ability to have a kind of intoxication that is spiritual, that's transformative. And it scares people and it makes people nervous. Well, what do you think God would do if he really showed up? Oh, man. Well, I discovered that as I've been hungry and reading the Bible. Actually, um, I've about decided to add a chapter to this book I have written. It's going to come out next year. And I wanted to put a chapter in there about joy because to me, joy is the, it's the thing that fires your hope. And when you lose your joy, you lose your strength. And I'm convinced there are many, many Christians that have never really had a profound encounter with the joy of the Lord. They think it means you're having a pretty good day. That's joy. Come on. That's ridiculous. I'll tell you what joy looks like. Joy looks like Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. That's what joy looks like. Because when God gives joy, he can give it like joy on steroids. These are not drunk as you suppose, Peter said. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter did not say these are not drunk. He said it's a different kind. And Paul would later say, be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, comma, but be filled with the spirit. Singing to one another. When is the last time you sang to each other? Right? That's what he says. To me, it's like, here's the type, and the type is shallow, and the type is wrong, but it's still a type to make us understand the reality. It's like frat boys at a beer bust drinking and singing at each other. Now, you may be offended by that, but that's something you probably must need to get over. I'm not saying you should be drinking at a beer bus, but I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, because there has not been something to drink in the house of God. Generations have gone into drug addiction because they are simple. Listen, they have needs that need to be profoundly and deeply met. And so they, they go from overeating to Starbucks to all of us have these things. What are we doing? We're trying to satisfy something that only God can satisfy. So, 
That's what. Well, let me tell you this story. When I when I was in, yeah, just poor old Joshua. I don't think we're going to get to you today, buddy. <laughs> but when when I was in college, I was I was in the Stephen and Heather Jackson mode. When I went to college, I went as a hippie, and um, my grandfather was on the um, board of something that was important, had something to do with the college. And so I was blamed with bringing drugs into the college when I got there. What they didn't know was all those rednecks been doing uppers for years. Them black and white tasseled loafer guys that danced to beach music been doing pills for years. So I didn't do that. I didn't. But so then when I really got connected to the Lord, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I had a powerful, emotional, deeply profound, life-changing encounter with God. Uh, well, they didn't, they didn't like me then either. If you, if you could only realize the number of friends I have run through over the years. I quit my fraternity because I was going to serve God. I got, they threatened to beat me up. Uh, but, but if, if, why, why would you, I was president of the junior class. They wanted me to run for student body president. Well, the only reason I was going to run for student body president was to be student body president. I could have cared less about that. It would just be an honorific you could put on a document somewhere. But the point was, God can touch you so profoundly, you will do anything. There's nothing you won't do. And that, that can be good and that can be bad. You have to have some, have some wisdom. But... Um, I had a calling then to go in ministry, but the Lord told me not to go to seminary, but to go into business. And 20 years later, I realized why. The vast majority of people that go into ministry out of seminary are not in ministry by the time they're 40. A huge, huge percentage. And I'll tell you why. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You're... you're, you're not really an idiot. You just don't, you know, you don't know what you're doing. So you're going to pastor a church and people with profound problems and all kind of expectations and concepts of church that hasn't ever worked. They're going to dump those on you and you're just married and you got Heather, Stephen Jackson level family and they want you to be a financial advisor and an amazing communicator and a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a doctor and a wedding counselor and a gardener and cut the grass and clean the commodes. I mean, it's not that hard a job, really. <laughs> and here's what happens. I have seen this, and I have refused to yield to it. In many church circles, they kill the pastors, and it's the pastor's fault. Honestly, you should never put up with that stuff. They kill the pastors. They bemoan his fate. They bury him. And you know what they say at the funeral? Next! I've had a lady come to me and say, well, I won't. Here's what my pastor's going to do. Come to my church. I'm the pastor. I said, well, what is that? Anytime I want him, 
I'm going to call them. They're going to come running. I said, sweetie, you're in the wrong church. I'm not going to do that. I got a family. I got kids. That's the church's responsibility, not mine. If, if you want to... Yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? Who are you going to help? Yeah. But the Lord told me, don't go into seminary. And so I went into business, and I was in business for about 20 years, and we were raising a family. And we had been in a Christian community, and I mean lived in it. I don't mean there was a neighborhood. I mean we were in the thick of it. When we got our paycheck, we would pay our bills. We'd give the rest of the project we were doing. That's the way we lived. We did that for, I think, seven or eight years. And it didn't work. And my vision died for Christianity, or for my role in it. My vision died. I was disappointed. You're not ready until you go through some disappointment to really do what you need to do. Can I be that bold? But that doesn't mean you're not hurt, which I was. That doesn't mean that you're not bitter, which I was. It simply means if you're going to do something profound, you have to know God in a profound way. Are you with me? And so you shouldn't expect difficulties to come your way, but you should realize they probably will and you need to be prepared for well i was so here was my dilemma i hated my job i had a call to ministry but to me i I didn't like the church that's 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 when you've got a calling to go do something you don't like that's that's not fun Well, I had to go through a process, and it took me probably four years, maybe five. We we want everything in a hurry. We want to go to a church and have instant everything. Guess what? There ain't no such thing. There ain't no such thing. Andy was telling me the other day, he became part of a very dynamic church, Byron Wickers up in Mooresville. Andy said, I didn't really feel like I fit in right for four years. Four years. You're willing to invest four years or, or 15 minutes? And that's, that's a little stringent, but I'm, I'm just saying Rome wasn't built in a day. Things that matter take time. They really do. And you need to have an investment. You need to invest enough in anything you're involved in that if it doesn't work, you're going to be mad. Or you're not really invested. And that's not faith. Are you listening to me? And so I have seen in my life, in many other people's lives, until you suffer some real disappointments and real discouragements, you are probably not prepared to be successful on a high, on a high level. Are you listening? Yeah. Now that, you know, 
this is not absolute. Tr- trust me, it's not absolute. But in my story, and maybe, maybe you know, God resists the proud. Maybe I was prouder than average people. I wouldn't have any trouble necessarily believing that. But um, I-, I would be happy if you didn't mention it. <laughs> but I had a call on my life. Now listen, a call on your life is not like Deciding what career to choose. A calling chooses you. It's not just what should I be. Should I be an engineer? Should I be a teacher? Should I be a salesman? Should I be IT? That's not a calling. That's a just, just, no, I had a calling. And the problem with callings is they make you miserable. And I've got, I've got scripture for it out of the Psalms about Joseph. It said, Joseph's word tried him until it came to pass. See, you get a great promise from the Lord. 20 years later, it hadn't happened yet. See, promises will try you as much as encourage you. So the Lord began to speak to me about leaving my job for ministry. And I didn't have one. I had a job. I didn't have a ministry. And I would tell close people because they knew. And, and I, actually, I've done ministry since I got saved. I've always been doing something. I mean, I planted at least two churches. Neither one of them worked that well at one point. One of them worked pretty well. But I planted two churches when I was working full time. But by the, so I would tell people close to me, you know, when the Lord works this thing out, I'm, I'm going to leave my job. I'm going into ministry. How many people here God speaks to? Does God speak to anybody in here? Yeah, still small voice, ideas, thoughts, impressions. Sure he does. So I kept saying, uh, when the Lord gets his act straight, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go and minister. That's really what I was saying. And one day the Lord said to me, I w- if you're going to do this, I want you to do it now or I'll never talk to you about it again. And I said, well, Lord, I was waiting on you to tell me. He said, I've told you seven times. And I went and found all seven of them. I've got notes from 30 years ago. And I went back and I saw seven different encounters that I didn't fully interpret accurately. And so my wife and I launched into ministry, not broke, in debt. In debt. And we were in debt basically because we were sowing into ministry because my idea, uh, sowing into business, my idea was I at least want to have a house I own before I trust God. And, and I had an opportunity to make a bunch of money and it didn't work and instead I went into debt. So I was living in a rented house that had cockroaches in it, raising kids in debt when the Lord said, now's the time. Come now. He, listen. God is a generous person, but at a given point, he is God. I mean, he, he said, now or never. And so we launched into this, which has culminated in what we're doing right, right here. But I was still depressed, and I was not happy about being in ministry. 
And so an across-the-street neighbor, uh, Tom Hardiman, <coughs> um, had some, uh, this will date me, but it's good, eight-track videotapes of some Rodney Howard Brown meetings from over in Kentucky where uh, people were acting extremely foolishly. They were laughing. They were rolling on the floor. And um, I thought, I, I think I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to get into that. That looks pretty good to me. Right, right, that looks good to me. And so by the time Tom and I had finished, <laughs> just the two of us in his living room, it's pretty ridiculous, honestly, but by the time we had watched that tape, we were both rolling around his living room on the floor laughing hysterically. Now let me explain something. As I laughed and got touched by the power of God at that level, I would have visions of prominent Preachers I knew frowning at me. Frowning at me. And it was the devil trying to keep me from accessing an aspect of God that was liberating and empowering. And see, I had something else that had happened the year before. I had, I had become so frustrated in my pursuit of God that one time I could do nothing but weep. That's all I could do. And I can remember we lived um, over on Old Whitehall Road off of, well, just south of here. And I was so frustrated and nothing worked out and, so I just sat down in a chair and just wept and wept. Have you ever cried so hard you're not making noise anymore? Have you ever cried so hard you're not making noise anymore until you suck air back in so you don't faint? That's where I was. Now, every time I... when I, in the middle of that, as I was breathing, I was making this weird noise. I could hear, I could hear the devil laughing at me. I could hear him laughing at me through this whole weeping process. Now, that may not make any sense, but I know that's. So when I saw the power of the Holy Ghost as laughter, When I saw the power of the Holy Ghost as an intoxicating joy, when I realized there is nothing about this ministry business I like and I'm called to it, I saw the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that could change my life. I'm serious. I'm serious. And so uh, when, when I quit that job, um, the Lord gave us this 
church in Pineville. Actually, Don Hardister's in the back. He was one of my main main buddies and guys over there. I had probably a couple of people here that might have been from those days, but we had an amazing move of God in our church. We had an amazing move of God in our church. Now, one thing that struck me, let me say this. When Heather was talking, and she was talking about the fire she and Stephen had, do you know what the purpose of that fire was for? That power? That zeal? Where where are the... Where are they sitting? It was to sustain, to sustain you through these years of difficulty. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. See, I've known the Lord. If God offered me something, I don't care what it is. I am not saying no. Why would I? Anybody that says no to God just does. What is your problem? Because he knows what's down the road. And see, he will empower you, and that empowerment will do a multitude of things. It will change the way you think about life. It will change the way you think about yourself. It will give you fresh vision. And it may be the only thing that will keep you through some very difficult days ahead that God would call you into that has nothing to do with you, but it has to do with someone else he wants to help through your heartache and your sorrow and your recovery and redemption. Do you hear? Listen, we, we, we just don't get how selfish we, re- we really are. We are just, it's just so much about us all the time. Could you be a person that could go through a problem not of your making, not God angry with you because there's someone down the street somewhere in a year or two years or ten years that could not get through their problem like that if they didn't run into somebody like you with your problem like that that overcame it? That's part of this life. It's, you know, you need to be empowered. But I can remember the last night at home in the summer before I went back to college, I was with some friends, and the peace of God flooded me in a way I had never known before. It was like alien. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it came from somewhere else. It was not standard me feeling good. It was something unique and different. And I was praying and I was, I was saying, Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, you need to remember tonight. That's why we have testimonies. Testimonies are remembering what God can do. And when I was going through difficulties in school, I could never say God's not real. I knew. I could say, I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm doing stupid stuff that's getting me in trouble. I could never say he's not real. I knew, I knew too much. And so that, that's what God wants to do for us. 
And I don't mean just do for us today. I mean we are going to see an increasing empowerment of God in our midst. It, it's, it, it's really, it's just ramping up. It, I don't know when it began, but it began, I think, towards the end of the summer. But here's the problem. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. People might say, you know, you you think, I'm not going to say that. No, no, no. But see, there's a reality here that God can offer us something and we can say no. The story about a guy in a hurricane on top of his house and a guy came by on a rowboat and said, this is getting worse, you need to come on. He said, no, Lord will take care of me. And then three feet later, the water, motorboat, hey, we're ready to take, we'll help you now. It's getting back. No, Lord will take care of me. Well, then a helicopter came by. The guy was up on his roof. He said, no, the Lord will take care of me. But the end of the story was he died in the flood. And he had a complaint against the Lord. He said, Lord, I was believing that you would take care of me. And the Lord said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Now, that's a little bit of a joke, but it's the truth. When he offers us things, we need to take them. We really do. Bill Johnson, we did this book study, and one of the verses he leads off was, if any man is thirsty, no, no, that's the wrong verse. He leads off with, taste and see that the Lord's good. Say that with me. Taste and see that the Lord's good. Well, people say the Lord's not good. What have they been tasting? Because you can't see till you taste. Not experientially. Then Jesus would say this on the last great day of the feast. Jesus lifted up his voice and said, If any man is thirsty, say that with me. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Who can quote the rest of that verse? Yeah, Rock said it. Whosoever believes in me, that's how you drink. Out of his belly shall flow river. Not into, out of according to Jesus. And the idea is, as you drink from God, the power of the spirit by faith, it will become in you a rushing, mighty stream of joy. You know, if we had high level joy, it wouldn't matter what we went through. We wouldn't even notice some stuff. You know what I'm saying? I've said this before. If, um, Trouble's not in your heart. What difference does it make if you're in trouble? Right? 
If trouble's not inside your heart, what do, who cares if you're in trouble or not? Because it doesn't affect that in, inner, inner thing. One last comment let me make. You can never please God by, you can never make yourself righteous or justified by obeying the law. The Ten Commandments. Think about this. The Ten Commandments came on stone, stone tablets. What was the first big event with the Ten Commandments? What happened? Moses got angry at the behavior of the people of God and the commandments were broken. They were intended to be broken. The law, the commandments come to convince you that you're a sinner. I mean, that's, that's the deal. You can't obey them by any of you. Now, here's the interesting thing. But at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in power, what was written on tables of stone became written on hearts of flesh. And see, you can't even really obey God without God's help. So, let, let, let me do this. Let, let me pray. Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to have a home run mentality. Always swinging for the fences. I want us to see God build us into such an incredible time and encounter with God. It'll touch our city. It'll touch our nation, maybe even the world. And not just knee-jerk. I'm just going to say this. God's going to be touching people. It's going to be amazing. He, he doesn't make you do it. I don't know what it'll look like. Somebody told me the other day that the latest thing was going on is everybody got touched, hiccuped. Wouldn't that be crazy if 75 people in here started hiccuping? Well, if, if it made me feel better, I'd be right in the middle of hiccuping. I'm in. I'm too old. I've done that other stuff. It doesn't work. Well, stand with me. If you have somebody close by, you feel like you can do this, hold hands. How many of you want the power of God to really come in amazing ways? Well, let's just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We just want it to be you, Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of your spirit and your presence would ever increase. I think about that in, in Isaiah. And the increase of his government and peace shall know no end. We're in it for increase, Lord. Lord, bring restoration to all of us. Lord, we need you. We have you, but we need you. We need fresh experiences with you, God. That shaking off thing was really good, Stephen said. Let's do this one more time. Think about the things that hold you down. Attitudes, actions, fears, belief structures that you know aren't helping. Let's just shake those things off. Just do something. Just shake them off. Do an act. Do some kind of a physical act. Shake it off. Just shake it off. Shake that thing off.
Well, Robin, that's ridiculous. Well, it worked for Stephen Jackson. Faith without works is what you believe rules you. I've got a bunch of things to say. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Here's Eric Hurchin. He's got one more announcement. Have a great week. Maybe Joshua will appear next week. He will. Joshua Baldwin. Ministry teams, if you guys would come up to the front. All right, and if anyone wants to respond to today's yeah. message, and it's good to respond, uh, if any anyone on the ministry teams, please come up front. And these people would love to pray with you um, and bless what's been going on in your life. That would be awesome. Um, and, you know, it's good to get prayed for, but at the same time, listen, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, you're with your friends, you're with somebody, whatever. If you need prayer, then ask that person to pray for you at that point. Or just go to God. You know, it's been interesting. Uh, Robin was talking about the word of his testimony. I haven't thought about this in a long, 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 long time. I was a mess. I was like a, a se- severe, severe mess by the time I was about 21. And um, I'm, I'm not going to belabor anything by detailing how much of a mess I was. But suffice to say that... Um, <laughs> I was pretty pretty significantly messed, um, more than the average mess. And I remember I was in one of those. I was living in one of those houses where like three people's names are on the on the rent, but you know probably like fifteen people lived there. And there was a storm. There was a storm that night, and uh, I happened to be. It was like the only time I was ever in the the house by myself. And um, I was very committed to not having any belief. Uh, structure at that point in my life. It was, um, but I think now let me say this, even though it was a mess, there's some really great times. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to like rep- misrepresent here. You know, it's like all gloom and doom because, uh, it wasn't, but it was in on the inside. I mean, there's lots of like, just, ugh. and I remember it was, I think it was 21, 21. Yes. Because I was, I was buying alcohol for all my minor friends, um, by that point in life. Um, and I remember that I was by myself, and it was a stormy night, and the Holy Spirit, all I can say is the Holy Spirit came in and met me in such an incredible, amazing way. And I just, you know, Robin talked about weeping, and that was that was me. And I had not felt the power of God probably for, I mean, I was 12, 13, maybe something like that. I mean, I was a pretty... I was pretty committed <laughs> by the time I was 21 to to unfaith. Um, so it was just a really sweet time. And it, like that is 100% not the only time God has met me, but that was a very strong, beautiful, wonderful time. Um, and I'd be remiss to not to not speak of it because it was it was and is an echo of God in my life. And I know that you guys have similar stories, so go home and remember those stories. And if you don't have those stories, go, God, give me one of those stories. Meet me. Meet me in a tangible, amazing way. Lord Jesus, bless these people. Have a great week.